everybody. How you doing? And welcome to the John Riley Project. How you doing? It's it's Monday. Hope you're having a good start to your week. Hope you had a great weekend. Um, man, we're what is this? This is episode number 213, man. We're rolling. Uh, thanks again for joining me. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. You know, we are going to cover a number of things today. Um, gosh, there's so much going on in the world right now. So many things worthy of commentary. But in various categories, categories I love talking about. So we're going to talk about the proposed tax increases that are being cooked. You know, people are discussing these things. They're they're cooking in Washington, D.C. We're going to get into um, some new interesting electric vehicle developments with Volkswagen. And then I got a whole bunch of interesting commentary and news updates on a bunch of issues here in San Diego, you know, like Little Italy and the Padres, the Aztecs. We'll talk a little bit about that mystery boom. Um, so we'll, we're going to have a little bit of fun here today, just bouncing around. So, you know, this is a live stream. We're on Facebook and on YouTube. So you can just type in your comments. I'll be happy to read your questions and comments on the air and make this an interactive forum for all of us to enjoy. Uh, but, yeah, so it's uh, it's Monday and um yeah, I just want to start off really just talk about how everyone's weekend went. You know, yesterday, my family and I, we went down to Little Italy. And I haven't been down to Little Italy. Well, I was there about a year ago for dinner, um, you know, and it was at nighttime and I was in and out. But yesterday we went during the afternoon for like an early dinner, like around four o'clock. And I'll tell you what, man, that place is it's it's hopping. It's electric down there at Little Italy. I didn't even realize it was like that. I guess I'm still living in my own little bubble here in Poway. Probably need to get out more. Um, but I'll tell you what, man. I mean, it was amazing people watching, um, great food. You know, the, all the restaurants have built patios out, not just on the sidewalk, but out into the street where people are being served, you know, some really nice meals. We went to an Italian restaurant called Civico 1845 and, and really enjoyed that. I thought they did a great job with their meal. And then we took a short walk around the corner and there was a gelato place. So we had some Italian gelato for dessert and just a nice opportunity to get together with um, my wife and I and our two children. And then my mother joined us. So it was kind of a fun event. Um, you know, I think the last time I was in Little Italy during the day had to be at least 20 years ago. And I remember going there with one of my friends, um, his name's Dominic, and he's an Italian guy. And he, he went down there to to go to an Italian, uh, like an authentic, real deal uh, Italian butcher. And, you know, that was kind of cool. I mean, that's when it was a little bit more gritty there and a little early, but tell you what, man, it's just all built up, really nice condos, um, really nice restaurants. A little tough getting parking, but I found a parking spot and I was able to plug in my electric car and charge for free while I was um, having a meal. So, you know, it's it's funny how sometimes we live in these, you know, cities, these beautiful cities, but yet we don't take advantage of the resources that are already here. You know, we'll go to San Francisco or New York or any other big city in the country and enjoy everything that city has to offer, but sometimes forget that we live in our own version of paradise here. So, um, yeah, we really had a great outing there in Little Italy. Um, and then the other big news over the weekend, of course, the San Diego State Aztecs. I mean, really happy for those young men, really happy for the university and really for our whole community. We have something that we can collectively root for. They won the Mountain West Conference regular season and then went on over the weekend to win the Mountain West Conference tournament. They punched their ticket for the NCAA tournament, March Madness, and their first game is going to be, I think it's Friday night at 6.30, and they're playing Syracuse. Um, the Aztecs ended up getting a number six seed, which was good. It's kind of a little respect there for the, uh, the hometown team. I think a lot of people were nervous they were going to get stuck with an eight or a nine and then have to play a number one seed in the second round. But a six seed is good, but... You know, they pulled Syracuse in the first round. And, you know, Syracuse has had a an off year, but they're going to be tough. They play good defense. They've got a great coach. Uh, but I'm really happy for those young men. And, you know, especially since last year, they were robbed, you know. And, and they had an opportunity, literally an opportunity last year to make the Final Four, if not win the whole darn national championship. That was in the realm of possibilities. And then, of course, the, the tournament was canceled last year, which was just heartbreaking 
not just for the fans, but I mean, imagine if you're one of those college students, you're one of those student athletes. There were the three best players on the team last year. They were seniors that moved to, uh, they transferred to San Diego state because they were playing for losing programs. They came here because they wanted to win. They wanted an opportunity to play in March madness and everything was going their way. And then suddenly the whole thing was taken away. All right, we got a on the live stream, Mike Ryan chiming in. He says, hey, John, Mike, how you doing? Um, we were talking. Actually, you came up in a previous podcast a couple of episodes ago. We were talking about the school name change. You know, Sarah High has now become, uh, what is it, Canyon Hills High School. Started talking about corporate name changes. And we, we mentioned Nissan and Dotson. And we thought of you. So, Mike, you're always in our hearts. Thanks for uh, joining us on the live stream. Um but I'm just really happy for the Aztecs. And it just gives us something really to root for. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, prognosticators that are saying that the San Diego State Aztecs could maybe make a run, get to the Sweet 16, maybe the Elite Eight. So there's hope. There's something here we can root for during these troubling COVID times. So um, I just hope everyone really rallies around the around the team. And, you know, of course, there's also a little bit of speculation about um, – Coach Brian Dutcher and what his future is going to be. Some people think that he might, you know, opt out of his contract because he has a little bit of an out clause that makes it easier for him to exit if he goes to the University of Minnesota. That'd be a great opportunity for him. He'd make some big money. He would um, get an opportunity to go home and and coach the not only the school where he went, but it was his alma mater, but it was also the school his father coached at. I, I tend to think, though, that What's going to probably happen, I, at least I'm hopeful, maybe this is wishful thinking, but I think Dutcher is going to stay. But I think the university is going to have to pony up more money to keep him here, uh, because if he does leave, he could easily double or even triple the amount of money he's making now. So that adds a whole other level of intrigue to this tournament. If this tournament, um, you know, this could be the final run for Brian Dutcher here in San Diego. So let's just root for good things for the Aztecs. Um Mike Ryan on the live stream says he's doing well. And he asks, he asks, why did they change the name of the high school? Yeah, that was on the previous episode, Mike. We were talking about um, Sarah High and, of course, named after Father Uniparus Sarah. And, you know, there was a group of students that objected to the name because the Spanish missionaries, there was they weren't just necessarily spreading the word of God, but there was also um, slavery, genocide, and and a lot of other atrocities that happened along the way. It's definitely a mixed bag of history there. And um, the students really rallied for a name change, and the San Diego Unified granted it to them. So good for them. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's get into kind of some of the meat and potatoes of our conversation today. And this was an article that was on on Zero Hedge earlier, and it's a really interesting article because, I mean, during this whole COVID crisis, the government has been just, they've been cranking up the printing presses, uh, borrowing money. Um, They've been, you know, just basically flooding the market with cash at the, uh, you know, not only is the Fed putting money into into the market through banks and, you know, more quantitative easing, but the federal government is getting the cash. And then we're seeing not only the $1.9 trillion stimulus that President Biden just signed last week, but we can even go back to 2020 and the Republicans and Trump and and all the stimulus that came from from his programs. And, yeah, you can say they were directed in different ways. Um, you know, the Trump can't the Trump plan mostly went to companies. But then in a lot of cases, it was through paycheck protection program loans that were essentially to maintain the current employees so they wouldn't get laid off. Of course, Biden's continuing that program. But, you know, essentially, whether you one way, whether you look at it as it's righteous to give money to corporations or righteous to give money to the people, the fact is, is that there's a ton of money that's being like basically borrowed or printed and is just flooding the market. And it's part of this um, kind of house of cards that this whole economy is built on. And now with this extra 1.9 trillion, you're thinking, my God, that was another huge bucket of money. And what, how are they ever going to pay for this? I mean, do they even care that they're going to pay for it? And that's what this article was about. And it, it's, it's really about 
the fact that there's people now talking about tax increases that should be coming. Now, they're saying you thought one point nine trillion was a lot of money. I mean, wait till you see what they have in store. And so um, the Biden and the Democrats are putting together what they're calling the new New Deal. Now, of course, it's not the Green New Deal, which is AOC's plan. Um, and it's something that Biden I remember specifically said he didn't fully embrace when he was running for president. But still, they're, they're looking at a New Deal program to have more and more government spending to stimulate the economy. And you know, from their perspective, to right wrongs, to balance the load, to resolve wealth and income inequality or or to, you know, implement equity within society. I mean, the progressives have grand plans for this. But Biden, of course, a Democrat, Biden, a Democrat that depends on. Um, you know, a lot of blue dogs like Manchin and and um, and others that could get in his way to get all this done. But it's interesting. And now they're talking about tax increases. And you figure, you know, even when um, Obama was president in 2010, he renewed all of the Bush tax cuts in 2010. And then in 2012, Biden, excuse me, Obama renewed the, ta- the Bush tax cuts again for 99% of the population. He only slightly increased taxes on the top 1%. So for the longest time, the Democrats have, generally speaking, have not really m- dramatically increased taxes, not even under under Obama. I mean, we, we can certainly cite some cases where taxes did go up under Obama, but it wasn't this gigantic proposal that we have been hearing from a lot of progressives. Well, now it's starting to bubble and we're starting to see more of this being discussed because at some point all this has got to get paid for, right? I mean, we need some sort of reason, some sort of rational discussion of how this is going to be handled. And of course, we've heard a lot of talk about the federal wealth tax and, you know, Elizabeth Warren is out there fighting that fight. In my opinion, that's a losing battle and frankly, an immoral battle um, to really go after, you know, go after people's wealth. I mean, then it becomes a recurring tax every year and, and it's just going to encourage people to move their wealth around. Um, to avoid the tax. And I think it's very unjust, but that's being discussed. They're even talking about wealth taxes at various states like New York, California, and others. Um, But this new plan from Biden that's being discussed could potentially increase revenue of $2.1 trillion over a decade. Now, once you start throwing around trillions, these are big, this is big money. I mean, what's a trillion? A trillion is a thousand billion or another way to say it, a trillion is one million million. <laughs> so if you had a million dollar bill, I don't know, does, does such a thing even exist? I don't think it does. But you would have to have a one million million dollar bills. That's a trillion. And of course, the stimulus that was just passed one point nine trillion, this potential tax cut or tax increase, if it all kind of went their way, possibly two point one trillion dollars over 10 years. So that's what? 210 billion per year. Um, and then Chris Sohey on the uh, live stream says, uh, California roaring 20s will be back. Yeah, I mean, we're we're entering another, yeah, we're in the 20s again, aren't we? A hundred years later, all this cash flooding the market, you know, we're on, we're riding a high right now. Um, we are kind of, you know, we're buzzing on drugs right now when it comes to the economy because it's all kind of artificially cooked up. It's not like, a, I mean, certainly we have a good deal of our economy comes from the productiveness of people to create products and deliver services that help people. But right now, I mean, they're they're just, you know, everyone's getting, well, not everyone, but if you make $75,000 or less, many people are getting a, a $1,400 stimulus check. Maybe you've already gotten that in the mail. Um we're not getting one and we don't qualify, unfortunately, but there's a lot of people that do. And so that money's being flooded into the market now. And that's only about 25 percent of Biden's overall plan because he's providing money to state and local governments and to a lot of other initiatives. So, again, we, we can parse where the money's going, but. I want to focus on the grander picture is that there's a lot of money that's being circulated, being flooding the market, really money that was printed out of thin air. And it's kind of artificially lifting the economy. So now they're talking about this potential tax increase. And 
it's just you're hearing little whispers about it because and you figure it's got to be coming because of all of this you know debt that they've been accumulating through this whole covid crisis because if i recall under under trump i think they did about 4 trillion dollars worth of stimuluses if i recall and then Biden added an extra $1.9 trillion, So now we're at about $6 trillion. And then on top of that, I know the Fed was flooding more, you know, quantitative easing into the marketplace. So we're they've dug a huge hole with this uh, COVID crisis. Um, now, again, I'm of the belief that they could have kept much of this economy open and we could have done so safely. Um, I mean, we after all, if it was safe for us to go shopping at Home Depot or at Target or Walmart, then it should have been safe for us to go shopping at a local mom and pop store. I mean, they had all these exceptions to rules. And of course, the big corporations were the ones that were declared essential, while mom and pop small business were the ones that died on the vine. I still have always been of the belief that we could have kept this economy open and done it safely. And, you know, business owners were doing a very good job of, you know, enforcing their own mask laws and social distancing. And, you know, we've learned a lot as we've gone through this. Mike Ryan says here, yeah, I agree. We we should have stayed open. Yeah, we should have. It's I mean, the again, I'm not discounting the impact of the pandemic. Um, obviously, that's a big deal. But the impact to the people's lives and to the economy has been tragic as well. And while the pandemic maybe could not have been avoided, although we could argue that as well, um, you know, in terms of how the Trump administration managed the national strategy. But um, definitely, you know, what happened to our economy could have been avoided. And I think we know a lot more now. We've learned a lot. And I think we were learning that that some of the the draconian efforts to shut down parts of the economy just went too far and they were politicized and sort of used as a way that a lot of political leaders could sort of exert muscle and kind of grow their own power base. It was a shame. But regardless, I mean, that's in the rearview mirror. Here we are. You know, they dug a six trillion dollar hole, if not more, at the federal level. So now they're talking about this tax increase and of you know, two point one trillion over ten years. Um, you know, only two hundred and ten billion a year. But they're even saying that they it, it probably won't even be that much because you know, Congress or you know, senators like Joe Manchin and what's the other one? The the senator. She's another blue dog in Arizona. Is it? Um, I can't remember her last name, but she's a relatively new senator from Arizona. She might have even taken McCain's seat. And I know she's a blue dog as well and has been resistant to a lot of the more progressive proposals from the Democrats, even though she herself is a Democrat. They don't have enough progressives in the Senate, much less even in the House, to really push forward a lot of these ultra aggressive kind of Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, AOC policies. They just don't have the numbers. So this proposal of maybe two point one trillion over 10 years, if they even pass anything, will probably be a lot less than that. But what they're talking about is, is mostly reversing a lot of the Trump uh, tax cuts that were you know put in place in 2017. And of course, the, the Trump tax cuts, I mean, there's a lot to that. I mean, they increased, um, you know, your your standard deductions. And, and there was a lot of things that had modest impact for individuals. But for the most part, the Trump tax cuts were for corporations. And the corporate tax cuts there not only reduced the corporate tax from, I think, about 28 to 21 percent, um, but it also allowed um, companies to, how do I say this? Is to it used to be when you earn uh, money overseas. Let's say you have set up your company, um, you have offices in in Europe or in Asia. Well, you would always have to pay their tax, and then if their tax was less than the United States corporate tax, you had to pay that difference to the America. Well, now you only have to pay whatever the tax is in those nations, which frankly I think is just, and it's a lot more fair, but. What If this proposal goes through, they would roll all that back. So now, as they've been delivering this stimulus, and the, and the stimulus they've been saying is, you know, really going to help put a surge into the economy, which is great, and, and kind of get things going. But if you follow it up with more tax increases, you kind of wonder, is that going to dampen the impact of the stimulus? And is it going to end up kind of 
you know, we, we've talked about corporate tax cuts. A lot of times people think, well, corporate taxes, I mean, yeah, get those corporations, they should pay their fair share. But who pays corporate taxes? People pay corporate taxes. Shareholders pay the corporate tax. And where do shareholders get their money from? They get them from customers who are who are buying their products and services. That's the revenue that comes in the door that filters down to whatever the net profit is. So corporate taxes impact people. And they frankly have a um, an indirect impact on employees at those companies because um, those employees potentially could be making more money if it wasn't for those those tax increases. So they're talking about doing that. They're talking about eliminating a lot of these. There were benefits if you had a pass-through corporation, like an S corporation or an LLC. And, and I own an S corporation. And so it's a pass-through. And what that means is, is that my corporation will have a bottom line profit to it. And I don't pay a corporate tax on that bottom line profit. Instead, that bottom line profit, you know, funnels over to my individual tax return as a line item of my inbound revenue. Now, of course, my corporation pays sales tax. We pay the the S corporation tax here in California. It's $800 a year and, and all kinds of other taxes that are incurred along the way, but never a um, never a federal or state income tax as a pass through it, it. That's what it does. It passes through from the small corporation down to my personal tax return, or I should say our family's personal tax return. And there were a lot of benefits there for small, for small businesses. I mean, in fact, there was a 20% deduction on the profit that you could write off, which was a wonderful thing for small business owners. It allowed, you know, many small business owners to not only enjoy more net profit for themselves, but to be able to pay their employees or, in fact, during this whole COVID crisis, keep more of their employees. Um, and there's a whole bunch of other, um, you know, benefits that the Trump tax cuts offer to, es- to, to pass through corporations, especially those that play in the world of high finance. That's kind of above my grade level. But a lot of that they're talking about rolling back. And while that might go after some big money people, it, it has the impact to affect, you know, middle class folks. Um, it, it certainly would impact me um, and, and our family if those are reversed. But they're also talking about raising individual income taxes above 400000 expanding the the state, um, or expanding the estate tax. Um, so they're talking about all these different ways to make more money. And it did bring up an interesting comment, and it was from a um, – it was it's from a financial analyst, and he was saying, if so much of these packages, the, all this this stimulus, it's all debt funded, and you what makes you wonder is like if they can just print money out of thin air, and if that is the strategy going forward, and not only are they just printing a little bit of money out of thin air, they're printing a ton of money out of thin air. Sometimes, I mean, just to the average layman, it makes you wonder. I mean, then why in the hell do you need to tax in the first place? Now, of course. That doesn't make logical sense. But then this whole idea of of just flooding, you know, newly created money through the marketplace, that doesn't compute either. Um, I remember when my daughter was playing softball here in Poway, on Poway's Girls Softball League. We were at one of the all-star tournaments and another parent was with me and we were talking and his daughter was one of the star players on the team and, and she was going through a little bit of a slump and the coach had demoted her from the number three spot in the batting order to like number seven or eight. And I remember I commented to him, I go, what's going on? How come your daughter's sitting down there? And he was frustrated with the coach. And he said, if you apply logic and reason, it will only drive you crazy. <laughs> and that's how I feel about this whole, um, the, the federal financial uh, policy, the strategy, it's, it's even even if they imp- implemented this full tax and reversed the Trump's tax cut, it would only put a small dent in the amount of debt that has been incurred with all of this COVID stimulus. And, and they're not even going to get that full amount of a tax increase, even if they get any at all. So we continue to kind of fuel this economy with um, kind of, for lack of a better term, fake money. And it just and, and, and it's not stopping there. Now they want to put in um, a, a huge infrastructure bill. And this infrastructure bill would be um, it would be anywhere between two and four trillion dollars. Now, 
I know there's a lot of people that rightfully want to see more infrastructure. And we talk about roads and bridges. And I mean, heck, if you're here in San Diego, we could talk about stormwater drains and which are in desperate need of, of rebuild. And we could talk about infrastructure for high speed Internet. For a lot of different things. I mean, we can go on and on. Um, but there's huge infrastructure needs, but they want to put this into the bill too. You know, they're t- at least not in the current bill, but they're talking about implementing this. So we've already gone 6 trillion in the hole with COVID. They're talking about spending an additional two to 4 trillion for infrastructure. And then maybe they might get 2 trillion back in taxes on the rich, but even that they're probably not going to get all of it, if any. Um, so again, it just, is sometimes it just doesn't make sense. And I look at this and I think, my God, is this how they manage? I mean, I look at our city. I live in the city of Poway. And, you know, we're a small town here up in the, you know, San Diego, uh, San Diego County. I, I remember I was joking with one of, I actually mentioned on one of our previous podcasts, we're up in the northeastern section of the county. And I was quickly corre- corrected by Pete Neal, one of our frequent guests, because geographically Poway is almost dab smack in the center of the county, uh, maybe a little bit left to center, but pretty close to the middle. But I always kind of think of San Diego County. If you've ever been here, you know, I got the ocean on the west. I, I conceptually think I've got the 78 freeway on the north and I've got the 15 and the 67 on the east. And I've got, you know, of course, the Mexican border on the south. Um, and if you if you draw those lines, Poway in the northeast corner, but but still Poway is, I think, a relatively well run city. I mean, they're finally now starting to go into potential deficit spending. But for the longest time, Poway had been running surpluses, have been very disciplined and well managed on how they um, how they yeah how they manage their finances. And granted, you know, Poway has its own warts as well. It's not, it's not perfect. Um, I'm sure we can get some people on this podcast, like Chris Cruz can talk about our water rates and how those aren't fair. And, and that's a shell game that's happening there. But generally speaking, Poway is a pretty well-run city. And I look at that and then I compare that to what's happening at the federal government. And it's just like, it's crazyville over there. Um, and I think a lot of it is just because they have a printing press, right? You know, cities can't get away with that. State government, you know, they can run debt, but they can't go berserko like what is being discussed here. So it seems like there's just no, there's no reason. There's, there's no rational mathematics or logic or long-term plan to this. It's like no one even cares about the debt. Now, of course, we're hearing from our Republican friends, they're shrieking about all the debt that's being created on Biden's watch, but they conveniently ignore all the debt that was created on Trump's watch. But you figure like, what was the debt before Reagan? Like it was like around a trillion dollars. And I know Reagan tripled it. And then George H.W. Bush brought it from three trillion to about five. And then Clinton added about a trillion on top of that. Um, almost two trillion from Clinton. Even though we balanced the budget a few years, the debt overall in those eight years went up. One, I think it was one point seven trillion. And then George W. Bush comes in and he roughly doubles it from ten to twenty trillion. And then Trump comes in and then he takes it from twenty trillion to about twenty seven trillion. And then now Biden talking about you know we just did a one point nine trillion dollar stimulus and now a potentially a two to four trillion infrastructure it's like where does this end how does this end how does this end um you know i'm i'm definitely much more of a of a i guess a fiscal conservative very much for balanced budgets discipline uh financial management it's frankly what i really encouraged our school district here at poway unified school district to implement that uh, they kind of have their own way of handling business. It doesn't matter. They don't follow kind of reasonable, rational um, financial management either, in my opinion. And we can look at the billion dollar bond and a lot of other issues. Um, Chris uh, um, on this live stream chimes in socioeconomic education and income is very high in Poway, hence balance, balance budgets for now. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, the, Property tax revenue here is pretty good, right? And and while the city doesn't make money on income tax, the city does enjoy sales tax revenue. And really, sales tax and property tax are really the two primary revenue streams into the city. 
But there, I mean, you you can make the same argument, Chris, that that Poway Unified School District is, you know, covers Poway, but also Rancho Bernardo, Rancho Penasquitos, Carmel Mountain, Sabre Springs, Forest Ranch, Del Sur. I mean, that's the same, if not better, um, socioeconomics than Poway. Yet that school district, they get $400 million a year, if not more, in revenue, and they still can't balance their books. So we'll see. Uh, and Chris goes on to say, yeah, San Diego City is a mess. Most people there don't even know how to read a balance sheet, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, they, it's, it's almost like in government, they're not, they're not spending their own money, right? They're spending someone else's money. So they don't have much of a care. It's the people in office mostly just want to satisfy their constituents and deliver on their campaign promises. And if there is debt that's created, they don't, they just kick the can down the road because they'll either be termed out after one or two terms, or they'll be moving on to their, um, to their next opportunity. You know, if they happen to run for a higher office. So it's all like, it's like my, my friend at the, at the softball tournaments and if you apply logic and reason, it just doesn't make sense. So anyways, we're, we're going to see more. I mean, more, it's more of this is coming um, at the federal level. We're going to see more taxes. We're going to see a ton more spending. Uh, they're just getting started. And, you know, it's, you know, it, it's fun political games to make fun of the Republicans who are suddenly woken up to um, all of this debts that are being created. But at least someone's saying something. I think I've been I'm consistent on this, regardless if it's a Republican or a Democrat, because, you know, I'm I'm independent. I'm not in either one of those tribes. Um, I'm a big supporter of balanced budget amendments and and really fiscal discipline, uh, fiscal prudence. Um, but it seems that politicians now are they're rewarded more by spending more of other people's money and, and the long term future be damned. So it's something. Okay, uh, moving along. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, Volkswagen. And Volkswagen electric vehicle um, is a interesting topic that's come up. And, you know, I'm a big electric vehicle guy. I've done a number of podcasts about them. My wife owns a Tesla Model 3, and then I have a Hyundai Kona which, by the way, is a great car. In fact, my Kona has more range than the Tesla Model 3. Um, and I've driven that on, on long trips, and I, I just love EVs. They're fun to drive. they got all the new technology. They're fast. Um, and you get all these financial benefits for driving an EV. You get to go on the HOV lane down the 15 freeway for free, even when you're buying driving by yourself. People are giving you free charging, just like I got at Little Italy over the weekend. And then, of course, there's financial benefits from the federal and state government. They kind of help subsidize your car. So at least I get some of my tax dollars back. Um, so I'm a big EV fan for a lot of reasons. And it's interesting that, you know, we always hear Tesla this, Tesla that with EVs. And Tesla does have, I think I read something like 75% market share of electric vehicles. Sounds about right. Well, Volkswagen's coming on strong. And I think we're going to see in the very near future, Volkswagen is going to be taking a healthy bite out of Tesla's market share. And this article that came, um, I think it was on CNN actually this morning, and Volkswagen has unveiled a massive expansion of battery production as it seeks to gain the edge in electric car race. And they're planning on building six gigafactories in Europe with a total production capacity of 240 gigawatt hours per year. Well, you know how... Um, Elon Musk built the Gigafactory, and I think it's out, is it near Reno, I think, in Nevada? And he might be building a new one in Texas. Um, but it looks like Volkswagen, man, they're going, they're going hardcore with this. And it's interesting because remember, Volkswagen got in trouble about, I don't know, was it five, six years ago on that whole emissions scandal that they had set up the software in those Volkswagens to underreport how much emissions were coming out of the car. So the car, the Volkswagens were polluting the car to a far greater degree than, than uh, what the numbers said. And they finally got busted on that. And I remember they had to pay a huge fine. It was like a billion dollars, if not more. And 
what Volkswagen has done, and I'll give them credit, is they they owned it. I mean, they they didn't make any excuses, and they said, "Man, you know, the world's changing here. Um, we can't continue to have these gasoline powered cars that are emitting in pollution." Besides the fact that we can be continue to be financially penalized by governments, but we can see the writing on the wall that people's sensibilities are shifting. We're seeing the success of Tesla. We see where this is all going with electric vehicles. And they made a hard pivot. I mean, they made a strategic move to really embrace EVs. And we haven't seen too much of the new offerings yet, but I know some new EVs from Volkswagen are going to be coming out around the end of 2021 early 2022, but going into the rest of the 20s, there's going to be a lot more cars from them. And what they're also doing is their Volkswagen is adding a huge number of new electric vehicle charging points to networks in Europe, in the United States, and in China. That was all part of this big announcement. And the cool thing what they're doing is they're redesigning their cars so they can basically all use, or almost every car in the Volkswagen lineup will be able to use the same battery technology and the same battery configuration. So they can mass produce batteries for their cars and they're swappable amongst all of their Volkswagen models, which is really, really smart, rather than having one battery for this car and another battery for that car. They're going to get scale in their production, which is going to lower prices. And they think that that, yeah, it's going to have a big impact that it's going to potentially reduce um, the price of entry-level models, at least the battery component it's sp- alone, by up to 50%. And that's huge. I mean, if you look at an electric car, I mean, there's no engine, right? There's no transmission. There's no carburetor. There's no um, fuel pump or, or pistons or anything like that. It's just an electric motor, like a slot car, and a big battery that drives it. And the battery is really the primary cost driver. And now they're coming up with innovations that are going to greatly lower this. And this is all part of their bid to become the world's largest producer of electric vehicles. And man, I I just got to tip my hat. I mean, they're really fully embracing this. And one of the things that they, they have done is they have bought, they bought their own electric vehicle charging network and it's called electrify America. And if you ever use this, it's really good. I mean, those systems work really, really well. And they're, you know, essentially populating those all across the United States. It's all part of its infrastructure, right? Um, just like the infrastructure bill we're talking about that is really being implemented um, privately. Now, we can make the argument that, that um, they're getting federal subsidies, just like Tesla gets subsidies that they use to build out their supercharger network. But still, it's... It's it's a good way to think that infrastructure doesn't always have to happen by government decree. In a lot of ways, the innovative marketplace, the the marketplace of ideas, they're going to come up with new ways to do things. And so electric charging stations, I mean, to me, is a a, a direction that we're going to see a lot more of as EVs continue to grow. Um, There was another article I read recently, and there was a guy that he lived in Georgia and he wanted to buy, I think it's called a Ford Mach-E, not the Mach 5, like Speed Racer, who we talked about on Friday, but the Mach-E, which is their new electric vehicle. I think it's, is it the new Mustang? I'm not sure if it is or not, but he flew out here to California to get one because he couldn't get one in Georgia. And he ended up driving it all the way back home from, he bought it actually in Murrieta, not just up the road here from us in Poway. He drove it from Southern California to Georgia, and it only cost him $160 in fuel costs. Now, think about that. Could you imagine driving cross-country in a gasoline-powered car for only $160 in gasoline? There's just no way. That that would never happen. I don't care what kind of a a gasoline-powered car you had. And the cool thing about it is on his trip, he said that – and this is how what's so great, how the whole this whole technology is improving so quickly. He never sat for longer than 36 or 38 minutes for a charge. Remember, it used to be to to do a full charge on an electric vehicle would take at least an hour at the fastest possible charging stations. But now the charging stations are delivering more power and the auto technology is capable of receiving more power and they're making the the time frame to charge lower and lower and this is a huge benefit 
it's one of the common objections to electric vehicles. People say, well, I can't stand around for an hour or two hours and wait for the car to charge. I got to be somewhere. Well, that window of time keeps narrowing. And for him, he said the longest he waited for a charge was 36 or 38 minutes. So you figure a lot of them were well under a half an hour. So I figure if you're on, a, if you have a car that has around 300 mile range, I mean, you're not going to drive six hours, you know, consistently, you're going to stop and pull over, get something to eat or stretch your legs. I mean, 30 minutes goes by in a flash. So it's cool. And, and so again, we're just seeing more of this and I don't know, it's making me itch like for another road trip. Um, one of the things that I enjoy doing is taking my electric car and going out into areas where there's very few charging stations and just seeing if I can make it that far. It's, and it, you know, in 2015, I think it was, um, I drove my BMW i3 that I had at the time from San Diego to Vegas. And this was before there were very, there were very, very, very few charging stations on the 15 freeway. I think the, the last one going eastbound was in Victorville. And between Victorville and Prim, you know, right on the state line, there were no charging stations. But my car had like a little gas engine, a range extender, and I was able to kind of manipulate that and work my way over the hill into the into Vegas uh, on my on my uh, BMW i3. And then in 2019, I took the Kona from San Diego to Albuquerque and back. And that was, you know, that was two years ago. Back then, if you were in eastern Arizona or anywhere in the state of New Mexico, finding a high-speed charging station was like discovering gold. There were so few of them, but there were just enough in just the right spots that I could barely make it from one, one uh, spot to the next. And I wanted to try it, and I did. And I just get like this crazy perverse joy out of it. It's like that, you remember that um, Seinfeld episode where uh, Jerry's buying a car, and I think Putty's a salesman, and Elaine broke up with Putty and then Jerry wasn't going to get a good deal. I think George got scammed out of his Twix bar at the vending machine. Well, in that episode, remember Kramer goes on a test drive with, um, with the, with the, you know, the, the salesman and they were driving on empty for a long time. And they just got this thrill about how far could they go without getting stranded. And that's kind of how I felt about it. So I know I'm thinking about going on another trip and I like going into Nevada. Nevada to me is interesting. There's just so much empty space. Um, and I've done some drives on my EV through like Beatty and Tonopah and Hawthorne, you know, kind of, you know, quite a ways east of the Sierra Nevada. But now I'm thinking about maybe trying to drive up to, um, is it Ely or is it Eli? Um, up in that nook of the world is what my next area that I'm thinking about trying to see if I can get my EV up there. There's a few charging stations there along the way. And I, I review EV charging stations, by the way, if you ever want to check it out, I have another YouTube channel. It's called trigger energy. And if you go there, I've got probably 30 or 40 charging station reviews of different EV charging stations. I've been in California, Nevada, Arizona, New Mexico. And it's kind of fun. It's kind of one of my little hobbies when I'm on the road, especially when I'm waiting to charge. It gives me something to do and just do a little review. And I have some fun with that. So I'm getting I'm I'm getting itchy for a new one. Um, all right. So we're still live streaming. I, I welcome your thoughts and comments. Um, got a couple more things I want to talk about. Um, and, you know, if you can, a great way you can support me is, you know, if you like what you're watching or listening to, you follow the podcast. If you're watching this episode, you know, click on the thumbs up button to like it. That's really helpful. Um, it just helps the algorithm. It, it makes us a more commonly recommended video. If we have more subscribers to our YouTube channel, more follows and likes on our Facebook live feed. And of course, if you're listening to the audio only on iTunes or iHeartRadio or Pandora or Stitcher or Spotify, we're on all those platforms. Just encourage you to subscribe and, and share the love. And that's kind of how we build the audience here. Um, I want to talk about a couple other issues and this kind of, go. Oh, thank you. I see the, the likes have kind of bumped up a bit. Thank you for that. Um, a couple more like kind of San Diego topics and even Poway topics. Big shout out, Drew Brees, uh, retiring. Drew Brees, of course, the quarterback of the 
New Orleans Saints, but he was the quarterback here with the Chargers, if you remember, uh, for about two or three seasons. And then we let him go to take on Phillip Rivers. And, of course, Drew Brees goes on to take the, the Saints to the Super Bowl. The, the San Diego sports curse strikes again. But I want I wanted to share this. This is a fun story. As I was, uh, God, our children were really young. I think my daughter might have been like in the first grade. And my son, I think, was still in kind of a daycare, almost like a nursery school. If you ever lived here in Poway, there's a place called Teddy Bear Treehouse. I don't even know if that's still the name, but it's kind of behind the target um, in in Poway on an oddball street corner and tucked away amongst these eucalyptus trees. And they had their Christmas recital and, you know, they get the little kids. They're like five years old and they're singing Christmas songs. It's, It's really fun to go to those. And I remember sitting in the audience and looked down the aisle for me and there was Drew Brees. And never would have thought it would have been him in a million years, but he was there because some of the Chargers offensive linemen had children that also went to Teddy Bear Treehouse. And so he was there to support his guys, you know, the guys that protect him, his O-line. And I just thought that was great. I mean, I, I didn't get a chance to meet Drew. I didn't, you know, certainly I didn't intrude on him, but it's just nice, you know, when you're doing something in the community and you kind of look over your shoulder and not only are you seeing a famous face, a recognizable face, but he's out there for the right reasons. I remember talking with some other parents and they told me the story about how he was there to support his offensive lineman. So he's a first class guy and he's got a, a big future ahead of him. You know, he looks like he's going to, you know, he's the essentially the, the king of New Orleans. Um, they love him there for all, all the obvious reasons. And he's going to have a great career in business. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him out on in television doing commentary for football. But I think even at the business level, I think he's got a great future in front of him. So I just want to tip my hat to Drew Brees. Chris uh, goes on to say, we don't use the C word here in San Diego. Yeah, the Chargers. That's another part of the San Diego sports curse. Um, as Charger fans, man, I was burned so many times watching that t- team. We had season tickets in the nineties for about five years during the whole Stan Humphreys era. That was a good run. Um, but yeah, ever since the chargers left San Diego, I've, I really have lost a lot of interest in the NFL. My son has adopted the Arizona Cardinals. So I'll, I'll watch Arizona when they're on TV, but yeah. Uh, yeah, the chargers. Yeah. It is the C word here in San Diego. Um, and Chris goes on to say, it seems like San Diego should get an NBA team sometime. It makes too much sense. Well, you know, they're going to build a new arena, right? That As long as the existing San Diego sports arena is there, they'll never have a new um, NBA team. But they're going to build a new arena. Some people have said, though, that it's the new one that's on the drawing board down right down the same area, Sports Arena Boulevard, that it's still going to be too small, that it's still only going to be like 18,000 seats and most NBA arenas can hold over 20,000. Could we support an NBA team, do you think? I mean, we had the Clippers. They left, although they had terrible ownership. I mean, you know, Donald Sterling ended up being a, a racist um, and was just an awful owner for a lot of other reasons. And then before the Clippers, who did we have? We had the uh, the Rockets, you know, the, the San Diego Rockets. They moved to Houston. And, of course, the Houston Rockets went on to win multiple NBA championships. And then before that, we had the, I think it was the Conquistadors. And, and when it was an ABA team, when we had the American Basketball Association. And interestingly, the Conquistadors was the mascot name for Sarah High School, who we talked about last week. And now they have changed their name to the Rattlers. But San Diego's had three different big time, you know, professional basketball teams, not counting some of the minor league teams, but still, they've been able to be able to maintain it. I mean, do you think we could do it now? I would hope so. I would love it. I would love to have an NBA team here, but it has to start with an arena. Just like with San Diego state, they, there was no chance they would ever have gotten Steve Fisher to come here in 1999. If they didn't build Viejas arena, which is now Cox arena, or excuse me, which was then Cox arena. Um, yeah, we, we have to start there. Chris goes on to say an NBA or an, an another NFL team. Well, that's going to be tough, too. I mean, when they're building that new Aztec stadium, that's going to hold maybe 40,000. And they say that they can bolt on more seating there. Still, I think 
I think the NFL has sailed on San Diego. Sorry to say, especially as long as LA has two teams, I think it's going to be really hard to put one back here in San Diego. Um, yeah, we're a different town now. Uh, and everyone here is from somewhere else. And that's true. That's why when you go to a ball game, I remember going to charger games or even a Padre games, there's always a huge number of people that are rooting for the other team. Cause so many people here are from somewhere else, which makes it even harder to maintain a pro sports team. But but at any rate, I, you know, I just want to tip my hat to Drew Brees, and I think it's fun that there is like a little bit of a Poway connection there. Um, the other thing in, in San Diego, and I, I will put this out to you in the audience, you know, again, we're live streaming, so feel, feel free to type in your comments and questions. You know, Chris and Michael have been dropping some comments here. I'll be, I'll be happy to read them on the air. But did we ever figure out what happened with that big mystery boom last Wednesday? Do you, did you hear that when that happened? I remember... It was during the afternoon and I was in my bedroom and I remember I was talking to my wife and then I heard like a door slam on the other end of the house. And that happens sometimes in our house because depending on what's going on with the wind and the air pressure, you know, if we aren't doing it right, sometimes the, the heavy fireproof door could slam sometimes that goes from our house to our garage. Sounded just like that. And I remember I walked down and my talked to my son. I go, did you slam the door? He's like, no, man, I didn't do that. We couldn't figure it out. And then sure enough, um, a lot of other people were reporting it too. And they weren't sure if it was a sonic boom. But then the uh, military at, at, the, uh, at Miramar said it wasn't us. And then Camp Pendleton had some things going on, but I don't think they fessed up. They didn't think it was from them. But I don't know if we've ever found out the answer to that. And I, I would really like to know, does anyone here have any theories on what happened with that mystery boom? Or if you, even if you heard it, people thought it was an earthquake because it was just like a sudden boom. Um, it was really crazy. So, yeah, so I, I, I'm still scratching my head on that one. I'm looking forward to learning more about it. Um, let's talk a little bit. We got a little bit of time. We're at 51 minutes. I like to keep these to about an hour. But let's let's talk briefly about this. If you know, a lot of my listeners and viewers are from Poway. And so sometimes we talk about local Poway issues. Well, the the newest thing that the newest kind of proposal that the city council is considering. Remember here in Poway, there's a building boom going on here. I mean, they're they're transforming um, Poway Road. They're putting in new condos. They're putting in a new community center for the city. They're putting in some uh, additional retail and restaurants, but there's a certain like, I don't know, half mile, one mile section of Poway Road that is being radically transformed. And depending on who you talk to, it's positive or negative. There's a lot of people that are angry about it. I tend to be one of the more positive people. I think it's going to turn out to be a nice upgrade for our city. We're going to be doing some more building in the northern part of the city. Um, at Stone Ridge Country Club. They're transforming that to housing. They're calling it the farm in Poway. But the new proposal that's being discussed is up in the Poway Business Park. And they already have a hotel there. And is it a Hampton Inn, I think is what it is. They're talking about putting another hotel up there that would be either five or six stories tall. And this is freaking out some people. And, you know, there are already people here kind of are a little bit bristled. They're kind of a little bit scuffed and bruised from all of the, the building that's going on on Poway Road. Now they're talking about building another hotel in the Poway Business Park. And, and people are afraid that it's going to be so tall, it's going to just destroy their view. What, any, any of you have thoughts on this? This always strikes me as odd because... When people have property, it's private property, right? They should be able to build on their private property. And sometimes, you know, you got there's zoning laws. I get that. And sometimes you got to get government approval to change zoning laws, which, frankly, I think a lot of the zoning laws are a big part of the reason why housing is so expensive in California and San Diego and here in Poway, because there's so much restriction about what you can build. But up here, this is in the business park. They want to build another hotel to accommodate more business travelers, whether they be, you know, salesmen or vendors that are coming to visit the, the companies up there or contract workers that are working for General Dynamics or some of the other large employers up there. They're always looking for housing for those temporary workers. Um, but now there, there's a group of people that 
they're not only upset that they're building something up there, but they're also upset that they're building something so tall. And if you've been here in Poway, you know, the Poway, which really is Poway Road runs through a valley and South Poway is the, the South Poway Business Park is way up on a bluff. And it's like the, like a, yeah, like a large mesa up there where they've built all these new businesses. There's quite a bit of buzz online because the city is considering a proposal to uh, essentially waive the height limit to allow them to build something this tall. Because normally they would go wide, but this this plot of land is only like about an acre, maybe an acre and a half or so. And so you can only go so wide. So they want to go vertical with this. Um, I think we're going to see more of this. Um, not only we're seeing the city council being much more open to development. I know that's upsetting a lot of people. Frankly, I think it's progress. I think it's a good thing. Um, but other people see it differently. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to learning more about this proposal that's going to come forward to the city council. We're going to learn a lot more about it. Um, it's still early. It's, it's, it's almost like the, the Biden tax increases. You know, it's just in the initial conversation. Um, I know there's people working behind the scenes to get all their ducks in a row before they present it publicly. We're going to start seeing more on this potential new hotel in, in Poway. Um, and I'll, I look forward to bringing updates for you on this. So, you know, we cover a lot of local Poway news because, you know, we've interviewed almost all of the political candidates here that run for Poway mayor, for Poway city council and for Poway school board. And I love that. I love having this community forum here with this podcast where we can talk about local issues because how often do you get a chance to, to listen or read or, or watch content about our local community? So it's fun to add a little bit of our own flavor to it in this podcast. So um, I welcome your thoughts and opinions on this. And, you know, maybe on a future episode, we'll go deeper into this. And the last thing that I, I really want to get to and you know, we'll probably save this for another day. I wanted to talk a bit about Padres. Um, and, you know, we're in spring training. They've got a couple more weeks before we hit opening day. I know a lot of fans are excited about this team. I'm going to save that for another podcast. We'll do kind of a, um, a a spring training review or a 2021 season preview. Maybe we'll get David Leland back on the podcast, and he's always great for that. Actually, that's a really good idea. I should reach out to David. And David, by the way, started his own podcast on YouTube. And I think it's called San Diego Sports Insight, I think. And he's broadcasting from his home, offering all kinds of great commentary on San Diego sports. So I encourage you to check him out. But we'll save that that one for another day. Um, and I've got my closing quote for the podcast, like I always do. But before I get to that, one more time, just want to say thanks everyone for listening. Thanks for watching. Um, one way you can help us out is spread the word, you know, share the podcast, tell a friend, share the episode, click on the share link in YouTube or on Facebook. Let people know what we're doing here. Um, we invite their thoughts and comments. Looking forward to having more guests on the podcast, especially once this COVID thing is over, we can bring guests back into the podcast studio where we can do like a really nice podcast conversation. We've had some really good discussions here. It's a lot better than doing it over Zoom. And I think it's better than just me on my soapbox, although I do love doing the live stream. That's part of the reason why I do the live stream. So make it a little more interactive. Okay, so it's a closing quote. This is a really good one, and it's from Drew Brees. And one of the things I talk about in this podcast often is, you know, we talk about um, – politics and culture and economics. And we'll talk about sports and electric vehicles and a lot of other topics, but I always like to circle it back to how can this content improve your life? How can it make you a better person? How can it improve your business life? Um, you know, we, we talked a lot about that on, on other podcasts as well. And this one falls into the, into really both, both your business life and your personal life. And it's a quote from Drew Brees and it's from his book called coming back stronger unleashing the hidden power of adversity. And he says, forget all the doubters, forget all the critics. Is there, is there satisfaction in proving them wrong? Sure. But I don't want to give those people the gratification of even dwelling on their words that long. There's a motive. There's a motivator much more powerful than doubt. I play in honors of those who believe in me. Oh, that's just so great. So 
we'll break this down. I mean, where does the first half to start? You got to believe in yourself. You have to start there. You need to believe that you are of value, that you bring something to the world that's powerful and that connects with people and improves their lives and makes a difference. And then if you do that effectively, there will be people that believe in you. And those are the people that Drew Brees is out there essentially fighting in honor of. But at the same time, as you go through life, especially if you do a podcast, I'll tell you what, if you do a podcast, you're going to get haters. You're going to get people that will want to tear you down. You're going to get the doubters and the critics and the people that say you can't do this. And and you're going to hear it on and on. And we have to ignore them. And, you know, Drew Brees probably heard it all his life. I mean, how tall is he? He's like six foot, six foot one. Or it used to be you couldn't get a job as an NFL quarterback unless you were six, three or six, four. The six foot guy, they'd say, oh, you can't see over the top of the offensive lineman. What did he end up doing? Set all kinds of NFL records for passing yards and number of seasons over 5,000 yards and for touchdowns. And I mean, he already has so many records in the record book because he believed in himself and he fought on behalf of the people that believed in him. And he didn't pay one iota of attention to the naysayers that wanted to drag him down. So Drew Brees, man, I mean, good for you. And I, I wish him nothing but success in his future. And I hope that we hear a lot more of him, not just as an athlete, but as a leader, just like we see in this quote, um, really sharing positive news about how we can overcome adversity ourselves. I mean, what was the name of his book? Coming Back Stronger, Unleashing the Hidden Power of Adversity. Um, There's a lot to learn there from athletes. I mean, they're the ones that have gone through hell and have come out the other side victorious. They're the ones that could teach us a lot in a lot of different ways. There's also athletes that have gone through hell and haven't been able to make it out the other side. And they can also teach us as well. But it all comes down to believing in yourself. And so I leave you with that. This is the John Riley Project, episode number 213. Have a great day. Stay warm, stay dry, and we'll see you Wednesday at 2 o'clock. Bye, friends.